0: Angeles hello major league soccer hello newcomers hello to the millions and millions of our listeners this is episode 243 of defenders of the bank brought to you by flex power tools i am the wild child the self-proclaimed platinum hair flamingo my name is christian philly not because i'm from there Philemon. now some may wonder why i refer to myself as a flamingo well it's quite easy They are very social. They are very noisy. They are known for grunting, growling, and nasal honking. And they also symbolize beauty, balance, and romance. And uh, yeah, and and Scarf, before I introduce you, and I kind of already did, what do they call a flock of flamingos? Do you know?
1: Ooh, uh, uh, pride i don't know what do they call a flock of flamingos i'm blanking on this one i know i know this Damn. flamboyance
0: and that is the term that i what? can absolutely relate to and i've uh, already given you the spoiler alert but i'm going to introduce him anyway joining me all the way down in the south bay ah. in portuguese they would call him then so in Japanese, they would call him Sukafu. In Danish, they'd call him Hell's Taklu. In Bosnia and Herzegovina, they would call him Shawl. But in the UK, Australia, Guam, Canada, the US, and more specifically, Los Angeles and Nashville, they call him The Scarf.
1: What is good? By the way, looked it up. It's either a stand, a colony, a regiment, or a flamboyance. I, look. It's it's very rare where Philly gets to teach me something cool. Did not know a flock of flamingos called a flamboyance. Uh, By the way, there are only six species of flamingos in the world. Did not know that. You guys, I'm gonna go on a deep dive about flamingos. Uh Philly, you're definitely not eating enough shrimp though, because you're you're still regularly colored. You are not pink like flamingos, but that's okay. But it uh, is my favorite color scarf. It, pink is your favorite color. Me and Steven Tyler uh, share that together. There you go. I'm I'm we're fighting, by the way, defenders. If uh in case you couldn't tell from my face at the start of that episode, Philly and I are in a fight. Uh and the reason why is because this jerk had Phil's Barbecue and I didn't.
0: Before I get into Phil's Barbecue, and I'm going to tie this in because it's clever. Scarf, did you wonder why I picked the languages that I did? and More predominantly, do you wonder why I picked how people in Bosnia and Herzegovina say Scarf? Do you wonder
1: why? I'm curious as to why people in Bosnia and Herzegovina say it that way. Go ahead. Okay, because
0: there's a tie to San Diego. Number one, uh, I'm drinking Schlievovitz. From Bosnia and Herzegovina. What is Now, the reason why I even have said bottle of Schlievovitz is because I was gifted it by a very legendary player in the world of indoor soccer and actually North American soccer. Julie V has his number retired by the San Diego Sockers. He was so very gracious upon hanging out with Panda and I and Lafferty, for that matter, gifting me a bottle of the Schlievovitz stuff. I'm drinking it out of a mini German dust boot glass. That is the reason why I decided to look up what scarf meant or what scarf was there. Now, it's, it has ties to San Diego, obviously, because Julie V is a member of the San Diego Soccers. Yes, teacher.
1: Quick question. What Schlievovitz? Haven't heard of this one. What type of, of imbibement are you enjoying right now? what what it is liz that one <laughs> okay so there there you go if you there it is i i've never heard of this one but julie v thank you for giving philly and not me any of that thank you julie v is so popular that how popular is he he has his that. very own bobblehead doll look at that Wow. You have something of the San Diego soccers up in your, uh, up in Philip world famous. Philip I Harkin respect studio. the
0: history of sports and Julie V is a very important and historical figure. And quite honestly, in his prime, one of the best soccer players in the United States period. Will Even you do me a favor? Save me, save me just
1: a little bit of that. Just a little, a little a bit of, of, of V no, not of Julie V of the sleeve Shl- Shl- I believe it was called.
0: Okay. You, you, you got it. Now, you mentioned that you were angry at me because I had Phil's barbecue. And the reason why I had Phil's barbecue is because Panda, Jonathan Reimer of Shoulder to Shoulder, and I, we headed down, and Liz, our good friend Liz, we headed down south it. to San Diego to catch the Western Conference Finals of the Major Arena Soccer League, a game which pitted the defending champion San Diego Soccers against the second-best team in the league, the Chihuahua Savage representing Mexico. And uh, Phil's Barbecue, if you are familiar with it, it's a, it's a chain and it's located right next to Pechanga Arena in San Diego. And I, and I got to tell you, outside of Texas and, and, and Kansas City, Austin in particular, Salt Lake is the place that I'm talking about, and Nashville for that matter, the best barbecue I've ever had was at Phil's Barbecue in San Diego. I mean, the thought of it makes my mouth water. Phil's Barbecue is incredible. Reimer, it was his first time. He was a big fan. Scarf, you're going to be so jealous. We had the ribs. We had the macaroni salad. There were the onion rings. And, of course, we washed it down with that gorgeous and tasty spiked Arnold Palmer, Panda, and Liz. They took to-go cups of it uh, back to the hotel before we went into Petronga Arena. It was a glorious day. And uh, I invited you, but, you know, you got this thing called a job, so you couldn't make it. So, Slivovitz. S-L-I-V-O-V-I-T-Z,
1: thank you to Panda for the info on this one, uh, is a fruit spirit made from damson plums, often referred to as a plum spirit or plum brandy. And I have to say, I'm I'm plum curious now to see what uh, to taste. What the, Yeah, save me just a little bit, if you don't mind. Just a little. Either way, hey, if everybody wanted to know how we can get an episode off the rails pretty quickly, we found it, Schlievovitz. There you go. I just want to remind everybody that the good people at Flex Power Tools sponsor defenders of the bank, as well as the front of kit sponsor for your 2022 MLS Cup champion, Los Angeles football club, head on over to flexpowertools.com. All kinds of great deals going on at flexpowertools.com. If you need to know anything at all or are curious about anything at all that has to do with Flex Power Tools, hit us up directly or hit them up. On social media at Flex Power Tools NA, and they will be able to help you out. Once again, flexpowertools.com, the official sponsor of Defenders of the Bank. And we again want to remind everybody that the Mauricio Fascio Futsal Court fundraising effort is still underway, led by the Mo Fascio Futsal Court Foundation. The link to donate can be found at lafc.com backslash Mo. Hyphen Fascio, that's F A S C I O. And again, please, 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 please head on over to that link, lafc.com backslash mo hyphen Fascio. Head on over and donate if you can. Why not donate? You know what would be a good number today, Philly, for episode 243? How about, and this might be a bit of a spoiler alert, how about $12? $12 for the twelve goals that Denny Bowanga has scored on the season so far, twelve dollars seems like a good number. What do you think, Philly?
0: I would agree. And an even better number than that would be two hundred and forty three dollars. <laughs> because of our episode number for Defenders of the Bank. That would be incredible. Or how yeah. even $2.43. Look, anything counts at the end of the day.
1: Yeah, we we need to make it happen. You guys, we got to get this court funded and built in Mo's honor. We miss you, Mo. Uh we it's going to be a a pretty typical uh, this uh, excuse me, episode of Defenders of the Bank. This day in L.C. history, some news and notes, and then of course, a breakdown of the match. Uh, just just so that we can set things up uh finish off the payoff that we were talking about earlier. You went down, saw San Diego Soccers against Chihuahua. Uh, give us a, a quick breakdown. If you guys don't know, there is the uh the indoor soccer team that plays out in the inland empire in Ontario, California would be the Empire Strikers. And one of us Uh, does play-by-play for them. The other is the scarf. Uh, So that would be Philly. Uh, Philly does play-by-play along with Jonathan Reimer, who's the color man for the Empire Strikers. And Panda, of course, is the sideline reporter extraordinaire for all things Empire Strikers. They are in the same league, of course, the MASL, Major Arena Soccer League. Uh, They are in the same league as San Diego Soccer's, as Chihuahua Savage. And Philly, who are the two teams that are still, are they still vying for a spot, right? The last game is tomorrow. The, the last East. game
0: is tomorrow, and that pits the Milwaukee Wave, which is actually one of the oldest uh, continuously running professional soccer sports franchises in the U.S. Uh, look that up. And the Baltimore Bell Blast, another very historic club in the world of professional indoor soccer. You mentioned it. Panda and I and Jonathan, we've been a part of this. The Major Arena Soccer League is something that's going to hit its 10th season next year. It'll be our fourth season in this league calling games uh, it is a professional gig. It's not like a high school thing. We do play in front of the crowds at Toyota Arena, and our games are casted nationally and internationally. We've been flown out to Mexico to call English broadcasts with the teams down in Monterey and Chihuahua. And It is a beautiful sport, a beautiful league, a, a, a league that does not conflict with Major League Soccer because they 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 go on, on, on off-season, so there's never been an off-season for me. But if you look up the history of the MISL, lovingly referred to as the missile, the major indoor soccer league. You're going to learn a lot of amazing things. This league was massive, bigger than the NBA in its heyday. Of course, three players by the name of magic Johnson, Larry bird, and Michael Jordan absolutely did everything they could to usurp, uh, the, uh, the acknowledgement that the missile was getting, but if you look up the history of indoor soccer, it is fascinating. They're trying to resurrect that. And yours truly is a big part of that. I love indoor soccer. So to go back to your point, um, the San Diego Sockers are the most successful franchise in the history of the sport. 16 titles over the course of their illustrious 40 plus year history. Back-to-back champions. They only lost one time during the regular's two times during the regular season and one time courtesy of the Empire Strikers, the team that I do the play-by-play for and honestly one of the greatest games I've ever called. They went into Pechanga Arena, which is their home in San Diego, down 1 to nothing. So they do a best out of Uh, like a best out of three. So they'll play one game. If two, both uh, teams have won, they'll do a 15 minute mini game, which is basically another quarter of play. And so Chihuahua won in their home grounds down in Mexico, Uh, San Diego whooped them in the next game, six to two. And then Chihuahua, uh, they went duration. They went during the uh, the regulation time and an OT golden goal scenario. Carlos Popper Hernandez scores a beautiful golasso to put the Chihuahua Savage in the MASL finals for the first time in franchise history. And tomorrow they await the winner of the Baltimore Blast and the Milwaukee Wave. And I have gone too much down a rabbit hole of indoor soccer, but I love it and I'm passionate about it. If you ever want to catch a game, hit me up. Look, it's the greatest sport ever. A team can be down 7-3 to going into the fourth quarter, and that lead is not secure. It is fun. It is fast-paced. It is exciting. They play it in a hockey-style arena with boards. There's power plays. People get in the penalty box. It's flipping fabulous. And uh, for those of you to tie this into LAFC, wondering how this all came about, former LAFC forward Adrian Perez came over to LAFC as a result of his tenureship with the, the then Ontario Fury of the Major Arena Soccer League. So that's the story, and I've gone off on a tangent. Scarf, back to you.
1: Yeah, by yeah. the way, between sure. the two of us, uh, Philly is the oldest operating, continually running uh, podcast host between the two of us, just in case you were curious. Uh, that's about all I have uh, on that. Philly, let's get into a very quick this day in LAFC history, and this will tie in to other things that we have in the news and notes. I chose one that's a couple of days away. We are recording this just a couple of hours after the match ended in Nashville, Saturday, April 22nd. It's about 10.40 at night. Uh, We're going to go all the way to April 24th. Back in 2018, no doubt, if you get the emails, you've seen the picture. Carlos Vela, April 24th, 2018, throws out the first pitch at Dodger Stadium. I mean, that's just, what, a month and a half or so, almost two months into our first-ever season in MLS. April twenty fourth, 2018, Carlos Vela throwing out the first pitch at Dodger Stadium. We will tie that back into something in just a quick minute. That is this day in LAFC history. Philly, a little bit of a surprise until we saw the Kaiser Permanente, who's in, who's out report. Uh, When we get into our news and notes section, we're going to start it off with, uh, I I think this player qualifies, I mean, he has to, as the tallest player ever to make the 18 of any kind for LAFC. He's listed at 6'6 on the back of his uh, baseball card, but I have spoken to his mother personally, and his mother says, He's actually six foot seven and doesn't want anybody to know. So, if you guys are listening out there, Uh. don't tell anybody that Noah Dahlenmayer is actually six foot seven for the first time in our two clubs' shared history. That's right, LAFC and LAFC2. An LAFC2 player has been brought up to the big club. Injury issues abounding at center back, Philly as you will get into when you break down the 11 and the 18 for this Nashville match, Uh, I'll let some of the cat out of the bag. If you don't mind, Giorgio Chiellini and Aaron long, not even in Nashville, which is kind of a bummer by the way, Chiellini and long not being able to make the Nashville trip, but that's all right. Uh, They were listed as questionable going into the match, but uh, not even amongst the 18 Uh, and Tony Leone, of course, out as well that left really only two healthy starting center backs in jesus murillo and daniel maldonado who tried to give us all a heart attack by the way more on that later Thus, lafc needed a healthy and as in form as possible center back and they took the six foot seven noah dollenmeyer the player we took this year with the 87th overall pick in the 2023 Super Draft, congratulations to Noah Dollenmeyer. Noah Dollenmeyer making more history. Uh, I'll give everybody a little glimpse into uh, this day in LAFC two history. Noah Dollenmeyer became the first player ever to get a red card for LAFC two. There, there you go. That's uh, that's our history with Noah Philly. What would you do if you were six foot seven?
0: Hmm. My basketball career would have extended beyond a couple of years varsity in high school, and I might have you know, found my way to some D3 school, who knows, like that would have been great. I would never be ashamed of being six foot seven. I would never want people to know that I was one inch shorter. That is incredible. I I could only imagine what life would be like as a six foot seven athlete. I Look, there's certain things you can teach an athlete to do. One thing for sure that you can't teach is height, because that sucker is genetic. And I just so happen to be the product of a five foot, ten, five foot eleven ish father and a five foot two, three, maybe on stilts mother. So the odds of me being six foot seven, very unlikely. Panda had a better opportunity to be six foot seven than I did, but man, I might've actually had somewhat of a career playing professional sports. At the very least, I might've been able to extend my time from high school into college, rather than considering myself an intramural superstar at collegiately, I might've actually been able to be a collegiate athlete. And I would man. say the same goes for you as a swimmer and a volleyball player that would have extended your Dude, uh, athletic career as well.
1: I, I, my dreams and hopes of maybe swimming for the U S national team would have maybe have been realized six foot seven instead of five, very five foot eleven, by the way. Uh that would have been absolutely incredible. Six foot seven. Michael Phelps uh and uh my quote unquote rival. I never beat him, uh Michael Kavich, uh who swam for Tustin and who got a silver medal in the Olympics against Michael Phelps. Uh they're both six foot four. So I would have, I would have towered over them and Yeah, but they're still God's gift to swimming. So I probably would have never done anything. Philly, uh, another thing that we didn't unfortunately get to do this last week, our, our boys were in town for three games and we couldn't get out there. Wednesday was a very inconvenient noon starting time. Monday and Tuesday, we both had different things to do. But on May 1st, Philly, let's get ready to go nine innings rather than 90 minutes. LAFC night, Monday? Against the Phillies, we get to hate the Phillies and cheer for LAFC all at the same time? Come on.
0: I can't say I've ever been in one of the LAFC nights at the ravine, and that, oh, you know, that might be best. a time to go because uh, of the professional sports teams that I have a vehement hatred towards, we obviously know what team I hate in Major League Soccer. The team I hate in Major League Baseball is, without a doubt, the Philadelphia Phillies. John McCarthy, I love you, buddy. But as a kid from Queens and a huge and ravenous Mets fan, I can't stand the Phillies or the Braves for that matter. I like the Yankees a little more than both of those franchises, but that's right. On May the 1st, we get that opportunity to go out there. I think what they're selling tickets for $32 and 52 cents. No coincidence in terms of what the price point is for that LAFC package. Yeah,
1: look, it's been an incredible experience. I've been to God, if we've had three (laughs) or four of them, I, I I've, I've been to the last few, that's for sure. Um, they're, they're an absolute blast getting to hang out with everybody. The players actually come up into the section or they have come up into our section the last couple of times. So again, this is May 1st, the Monday night match against a uh, Monday night match, the Monday night game against the Philadelphia Phillies LAFC night, May 1st. So get your tickets, uh, Philly in just two days, uh, Monday, April 24th, uh, kind of, we could see some big news around major league soccer, maybe some news around LAFC Well, April 24th, a big date on the calendar for the MLS soccer season.
0: You're right. That's when the transfer window closes. So there's been a lot of rumors and a lot of players that are are being hinted at at, at moving places. And and Tommy Scoops mentioned this on MLS 360. If you were able to catch that broadcast before a lot of the games started getting coverage around 430. Uh, As far as LAFC is concerned, no rumors in terms of players being brought in. But what we do know is that there's a lot of interest for players that we do have. That in terms of Mahala Quadwo Opoku, he's gaining and garnering a lot of interest, and as is Jose Cifuentes, we know that Leeds had 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 uh, I don't want to say uh, no, that that was, this is family friendly had a bit of excitement towards uh, Jose Cifuentes, as do as did Espanol and as do Grangers in the Scottish Premier League. So we'll see what the deal is. Sifu obviously coming out of a successful year last season, represented Ecuador on the World Cup front. It was rumored that he more than likely would have gone over the course of the uh, the offseason, but he did not. I wouldn't say he's played up to snuff, although today he actually had a very solid game, in my opinion. But those are the rumors surrounding our club. And, yeah, there's a lot of big names that people have been talking about. James Rodriguez is one. Uh, a player that was linked towards us is Enter Valencia, who represented Ecuador during the World Cup. He uh, had a fantastic World Cup, but at 34-ish, whatever how old he is. The only way he would grace our roster is if we did that as a target allocation money, a TAM deal. I don't know what the deal is, but that window closes on Monday. And we'll see. A lot of the big news is going to hit the wire by Monday. But I don't believe we're going to be gaining any new roster additions at that point. Nashville will, a couple other teams will, but it's not, I don't think it's going to be us. And if it does happen, well then John Thorrington and the front office has done everything they could to keep their clandestine approach solid. Cause we hear a lot of things from a lot of people and we haven't heard anything about any players hitting our roster anytime soon from a valid source.
1: Yeah, look, it'll be interesting. God, a name like James Rodriguez, when he was at Real Madrid, man, he was at the height of his powers what? 3 world cups ago when he was the was he the golden boot he's winner? He's still like 31 scarf. Like he's still no, I really know, but like man, at 23, I guess, was when he was in his heyday and then the wheels kind of fell off. It's weird to think He's just been so under the radar for the last three or four years, ever since he left Real Madrid. That would be an incredible name at 31. Would you have thought that Thomas Rodriguez would become maybe, maybe? By the way, because Olympiacos, by the way, just uh, he's out of contract, so it'll be it'll be interesting. Enter Valencia, dude has 12 penalty kick goals on the year. Plays four, by the way, Fenerbahce. And, uh, that's, that's, we have uh, some ties to Fenerbahce. uh, We do. Right. Wait, I want to make sure I'm right. Enter Valencia does play for Fenerbahce, right? No, I could be wrong. Damn it. Now I think I'm wrong. Uh, No, I'm right. Yeah. He plays for Fenerbahce, has 27 goals in 25 league matches. However, 12 of those goals are PKs. Uh, the reason why I, I know that is because I've been keeping an eye, as I know you have Philly, on Fenerbahce, sponsored by Avis of all places, right now. Uh, Fenerbahce with one Diego Rossi, uh, and it's been it's been an okay stint for Diego Rossi over there at Fenerbahce. We won't get too much into that on this episode uh, as we are rolling through the news and notes, it would just be kind of neat. Hamas Rodriguez, uh, enter Valencia uh, again, just to see them to come over to MLS would be pretty cool. Yeah. Philly- Tiago
0: Almada, man, he's going to probably set the record for the most expensive player Thank coming God. out of major league soccer, usurping Miguel Almiron. We'll see what the deal is with that. I-, I love the fact that this league has gotten to a point where we're not bringing in, you know, the, the, the Frank Lampard's and the Steven Gerrard's of the world. That was cool for what it was Uh gimmicky. If you will, and that obviously put cheeks in seats. But I love the fact that we can have a player like Alfonso Davies leave Vancouver to represent Bayern Munich. I love to see Miguel Almiron doing his thing over at Newcastle. I love to see a player like Paxton Aronson representing track Frankfurt. Like that's what's gonna make this league grow. That is one way of many others that this league can grow but it's pretty stinking cool that that's where we've gone to in the short tenure of this league
1: dude tiago almada absolutely killing i mean the dude starts alongside Lionel messi at times on the argentine national team are you kidding me uh and and look uh, more to come on on guys like that right i mean we've we've sent a plethora of of players over to Europe in the last little bit. You got guys like Chris Richards going all over the place. I mean, just, it's been such a fun league. Uh, Mark McKenzie and, and Austin trustee, they'll come up in something I'm going to talk about in just a little bit, but either way, this league is becoming a springboard for players. And Philly, uh, we in Mateus Bogus signed a guy who was the top, one of the top 40 young players in Europe. I mean, uh, the, again, names are coming into the MLS and names are going out of the MLS at a rate unlike we have ever seen before. The 75th edition of USA and Mexico played to a 1-1 draw on Wednesday, April 19th out in Glendale, Arizona. And of course, that saw two LAFC players, for better or for worse, make the start. Kellen Acosta played the full 90. Aaron Long went 70 minutes and maybe picked up a knock. It's hard to tell. I don't know. But the 1-1 draw, look. Philly, you and I talk about it all the time. It's so cool to be able to see our players represent. And look, U.S. men's national team obviously has a special place for both you and I. But to watch any of our guys represent their national teams is an incredible accomplishment. And we certainly appreciate what Kellen Acosta and Aaron Long currently mean to the uh, U.S. men's national team.
0: I agree. I mean, it's the highest honor that any player can have. So the fact that, you know, the teams that have the most players that represent their national team, will probably be among the better teams period within within the league, and we've had several players represent their national teams over the course of the history of this franchise so that's that's good stuff I mean they want these kids want to know that they can go off and represent their international team if they do get selected and yeah, it's fascinating. I mean, no need to like dwell upon that anymore uh it's great to see our players in the starting lineup, and obviously the captain, the man wearing the armband for the u s did Wear a black and gold jersey at one point in his career. So we have those ties too. Uh, That I mean by uh, Walker Zimmerman. So that's the story there. Moving along.
1: (laughs) Yeah. In a shocker, Carlos Vela named player of the match day for match day eight, two goals and an assist in the Classico Angelino. Of course, our first ever victory over Carson in Carson. This is Carlos Vela's ninth, that's right, ninth player of the week award. In his six seasons. Congratulations to Carlos, obviously, becoming the leading scorer in the MLS's version of the rivalry with 10 goals, 12 overall in uh, Classico Angelinos of any kind. Uh, Philly, I mean, what more is there to say about, uh, I mean, he's working his way into maybe the top 20 all time in MLS, just one of those very, very special players. Carlos Vela, his ninth man of the week award.
0: I mean, 2019, obviously the greatest season that any player in Major League Soccer ever had. Uh, Carlos Vela is the guy's a phenom. He's, he's legendary. For us, people say that maybe he had a less than uh, stellar career internationally. But what can I say? The minute he wore an LAFC jersey, nobody's been better than him. Nobody's been more productive than him. And 2019 will go down as one of the greatest seasons that we ever had to bear witness to. Uh, unless Danny Buonga obviously like turns, turns things up even hotter than all hell. And he's already got 12 goals in all competitions very early on this season. Carlos Vela, without a doubt, the best player to grace the black and gold. If we did the retiring Jersey thing, if we did the statue thing, Carlos Vela, no doubt would get that honor and distinction because the guy is flipping phenomenal.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting, right? You you can't, I mean, what's your thought on this? I'm curious. Uh, We're kind of going off a little bit, but you can't, retire the 10 shirt right you just uh, uh at that point you just put them up in like a ring of honor because you need a 10 right like the 10 is the that's the shirt that everybody wants to wear right you don't retire numbers in soccer as much as you like put them in the ring of honor right
0: i mean it, i guess it depends i mean it, all rules are meant to be broken there is no rule that's meant to stand um i mean you look at i i don't know why i'm thinking about this a club like in eastern europe like. Club Dinamo Bucharest had a player who died on the pitch um, and the north end stand for uh, for that team in their stadium is named after this guy. They retired his number as a result of his tenure there. It's there are no rules. I mean, globally, everybody has like their own thing that they do. Um, I mean, the NWSL obviously put the number 22. Oh, actually, Angel City put the number 22 up in the rafters. Not to say that LAFC would do such a thing because number 10 is a very common and popular number. Uh, I mean, the likes of a Manchester United don't do that. But look, there are no rules. And anybody who thinks that this is the way that things should be done, I, I don't buy into that. I mean, you you follow rules and guidelines and that's fine. But at the end of the day, you write your own rules. That's where you become a a game changer, a trendsetter, a, a club of that distinction. And if the powers that be want to acknowledge and give the respect to Carlos Vela by retiring his kit, by all means, I have no problem with it. I mean, there's so many numbers that people utilize. It's not the same as it was back in the day where your best player wear the number seven or the number nine or the number 10. I mean, our best player wears the number 99. That wouldn't have been the case 30, 40 years ago, but it is the case now. You could wear the number, I don't know, 73, and it wouldn't matter unless your name's the uh, worm, Dennis Rodman, I suppose, but... There are no rules, bro. Like, do whatever you want. It's just up to the club to decide whether or not they want to do that. And I don't have no problem with it. Should they decide to retire number ten? <laughs> You've had a
1: couple of fun meanderings down some rabbit holes right now. I like this. <laughs> this is a this is a fun Philly that we're getting right here. Brought Almost 11 at night.
0: My I know, man, right? I struggle bussing it. I San Diego that. Rymer and I were certainly enjoyed ourselves, so I appreciate you saying you're enjoying this because, like, well, I'm literally struggling to get through this episode. Well,
1: listen, listen. One of the rules that you do have to follow, Philly, if you want to make the U.S. Youth National Teams Under-17 Club. that's to be under 17 years old, or at least be in that age range so you can get called in. And that's exactly what Christian Diaz did of the LAFC Academy. Just want to say a big congratulations to Christian Diaz of the LAFC Academy, who was called in to the U.S. youth national team under 17. See, I figured out how to make a segue out of that, Philly. We'll figure this
0: out.
1: Uh, Philly, you and I finally got to sit together. I was it the first time that we've sat together at Angel City for a match this year. I think it. I think it might have been. Yeah, it was.
0: It definitely uh, was. And We're gonna get to do it again tomorrow against San Diego.
1: Yeah, man. I look. I I missed it. Uh, being able to sit there with you, watch the match. Uh, Philly, of course, the president of the McCaskill Mafia. Uh, chairman rid- of the
0: McCaskill Mafia.
1: Excuse me, chairman of the <laughs> McCaskill Mafia. Uh, they got rid of Tyler Lucy and Kyrie Ricaro. So I'm. I'm. I'm on the Danny Weatherholt train now? I don't know. I'm trying to find... Look, obviously, Alyssa Thompson is special. But uh, ACFC dropped their first Challenge Cup match of the season last Wednesday, 2-0, to the OL Reign. Their next match is an NWSL league match, like Philly just mentioned, tomorrow against Alex Morgan, Taylor Korniak, and the rival San Diego Wave on Sunday, April 23rd at BMO. And Philly, we could see the Angel City debut. Of the oft-talked-about, finally signed, and hopefully in her Angel City kit, Julie Ertz, U.S. Women's National Team star. It would be really cool to see Julie Ertz gracing the pitch at BMO. Uh,
0: Philly? I agree, because our uh, our U.S. Women's National Team player that is the face of the club unfortunately has been hurt and hasn't had any presence in Angel City FC's locker room the only thing that she's done is launch a clothing line that is very unaffordable. So hopefully Julie Ertz can come out there and do her thing. I'm certainly looking forward to that.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see whose spot she winds up taking in the starting lineup. Uh, and LAFC 2, looking for their first win of the season. we will have to get it on the road at a place where you and I have both been to Providence Park in Portland as they take on Timbers 2 on Sunday. More on that match on our next episode. All right. So Philly, the stage is set. The black and gold head to the land of the man in black headed to Nash Vegas, Nashville taking on laFC and last year Philly the uh the road was uh was kind to both of the visitors in this matchup last year.
0: Yeah, neither team won in their respective home grounds last season. LAFC lost to Nashville on decision day at the bank last season and uh, LAFC ends up beating Nashville in Geodis Park last season. So nobody's ever won in their respective home turfs. Interesting statistic, and they've only played each other twice throughout their history, Nashville obviously being an expansion franchise. Now, this is a Nashville team that has come into the season that is grossly underperformed, a team that sits sixth place in the West, 11 points, a 3-3-2 three, three record, not that great. But one thing that's been consistent upon this team is that their defense has been stellar, only allowing three goals coming into this matchup With LAFC, LAFC obviously was had the same exact scenario, but they allowed two goals by the Carson Galaxy two weeks ago. Now, the last five games for Nashville didn't necessarily go their way. They won one, they tied one and they lost three and they weren't games in which even when they did win, that was impressive. This is not a team that scores a a lot of goals, but that being said, they've got some phenomenal talent and a player. Obviously, we talk about it all the time Till we're blue in the face. We love Walker Zimmerman, the captain of the team the first goal score in the history of Nashville SC, yada, yada, yada. We love Walker. We miss you. I got that out of the way, but that's not the player that I'm talking about. (laughs) Hani Mukhtar last season's reigning, defending MVP, 23 goals, 11 assists, a player to absolutely watch. And he doesn't get the credit that I believe that he deserves. And today he certainly performed exceptionally well. Joe Willis, without a doubt, one of the best goalkeepers in this league, we talk about Andre Blake very often. We talk about Sean Johnson very often. But good Lord, Joe Willis is a darn good keeper. And if it wasn't for him, Nashville would have been smashedville after what LAFC did once they started getting themselves into the game. But a very talented team and a team that obviously expected to welcome LAFC in the darnest of ways. Do you find it ironic at all? That on the day that LAFCU strolls into Geodis Park, it was Walker Zimmerman bobblehead day. There are 17 games over the course of a regular season. There is no coincidence that they made this game against his former club, Walker Zimmerman bobblehead day. And by all means, I need, want, I love collecting bobbleheads. I need that bobblehead scarf. And I know you're a collector. Make it happen for us.
1: Dude, you are absolutely right. I want nothing more than that Walker Zimmerman bobblehead <laughs> yeah. in my collection. Look, uh, full disclosure here, people. When we signed Andy Nahar. <laughs> yeah. 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 When we That's signed. That's what he was made out
0: of, in case you were wondering why he gave, we gave him that nickname.
1: When we signed Andy Nahar, I went out and bought his DC United bobblehead. Didn't Fact, cost me. Really, I didn't it, even know this. Yeah. It didn't cost very much. It was like five bucks. So I've got me an Andy. Because of Nahar. the shipping, right? Yeah. Because of the shipping. Exactly right. Uh, by the way, Andy Nahar has a bobblehead. Can we just talk about that for a second? He was like, wasn't he like defensive rookie of the year? Or like young player. I don't know. Anyway, either way. Early on. Yes. Either way. I have, of course, as you do, the Bob Bradley bobblehead. You and I have both bought uh, Carlos Vela. They came out with some sort of bobblehead. Uh, For him, I think Foco or one of those companies came out with the bobblehead. Absolutely, I need a Walker Zimmerman bobblehead in our collection. What you guys don't know about Philly Monster Studios, we've showed this once or twice, Philly's got a bunch of Dodger bobbleheads up there somewhere. There's a Kane bobblehead, if I remember correctly, up there somewhere. There's There's a couple of uh, Islanders bobbleheads.
0: your loyal Marymount mascot, Iggy. I got yep. a Johnny Boy Chuck, New York Islanders. Yeah,
1: um, look, it, there's there are bobbleheads lining world famous Philip Monster Studios. We absolutely need to add that to Philip Monster Studios. We need the Walker Zimmerman bobblehead. I
0: don't You're see after- producer McPanda arguing or, or shaking her head. I don't know if she's not paying attention or she agrees, but hey, if she hasn't shaken her head, Walker Zimmerman bobblehead in the studio. Right. There you go. Look, and by the way, you're you
1: mentioning Joe Willis. I'll talk about him for just a second. He has actually faced LAFC in his career now seven times. He's only got one victory against us. And it was last year. We were talking about it when they beat us uh, at Beam at uh, the bank last year, uh, one nothing. We've beaten him. Every other time since, except for the first time we ever played, it was a 2-2 draw. But, man, that guy is just so good. Uh, This would be a lineup. Philly's going to get into it where uh, it is heavily rotated on behalf of LAFC's normal starting 11. I I do want to get one other thing out of the way. You mentioned the Walker-Zimmerman, we love you, Walker train. And, yes, that still runs firmly through Philomonster Studios. It runs right in front of the scarf wall. Uh, the world famous scarf wall down in Lawndale, California. The other thing is this, I- I'll talk about it since I wore one, man, these parlay jerseys are not great. I don't like this year's parlay jersey. Most of the time I'm at least ambivalent about our parlay jerseys. Well, I can tell you this, we are O for our last two really didn't like last year's. And I really don't like this year's. I can't unsee the fact that this just looks like a rash guard on our players. Like we're all like 11 years old, headed out to the beach with like floaties and a rash guard. And it's, I just hate it. I don't know why, but that like, there's like that blue kind of stripiness going on right over the shoulders. It just looks like a rash guard, man. I just look, Parlay for the Oceans is a fantastic organization. This is what the sixth year, I think that MLS has partnered uh, with Parlay for the Oceans to do something like this with the kits. I love the cause. I love everything behind it. I just don't love this year's execution. And to get it out of the way, it is not an LAFC choice. It may not even be an MLS choice. It's a partnership with Parlay for the Oceans and Adidas, and they come up with this whole thing. So for everybody saying like, oh, why couldn't they make it black and gold? No, 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 no. no. As you saw today, if you follow anything else about Major League Soccer, every single team that was on the road looked the same, and every single team that was at home looked the same. The other color, by the way... We got the black one. The other color, even though it looks a whole lot like teal or aquamarine,
0: is called, called acid, it acid green.
1: Green, Yeah, acid green is more of what ecto cooler used to look like rather than what these a bit jerseys. It must have been on acid
0: to think that that color was green.
1: Yeah, I just, but again, first of all, I'm already upset about the jerseys this year. I don't like slim fit jerseys because scarf is not slim fit anything. <laughs> But the, the parlay jerseys, which tend to fit a little snugger than regular jerseys. So now you're what you're trying to do is you're trying to stuff scarf into a snug, slim fit. Nah, that's not that's not it's not great. It's,
0: it's not great. I like the jersey. I, I actually really do. I like the color scheme of both the black one and this acid green. I love loud, wild, vibrant colors. I'm a fan. I did not buy last season's because it was just bland, man. There was just nothing to it. The pink uh, could have been a little more vibrant, and that would have given me the impetus to want to acquire it. I don't own that one, and I don't own season one of LAFC's parlay kit, mainly because, well, I was an idiot, and I didn't buy it. And still to this day, that's probably the best one that they ever came out with. But I am a fan of this kit. I'm going to wait till it's on sale because something tells me that it's not going to go out And yeah, I mean, for those of you who are just like, why, why isn't it black and gold? I mean, scarf already dictated it to y'all. That's the reason why. And the reason why every team in major league soccer wore these colors is because today, Sunday, uh, sorry, Saturday, April the 22nd was Earth Day. So that's the reason why they did this. Uh, and, And I like the cause and I like the kid. It's certainly one of the better ones, in my opinion. You may not like it, Scarf. You may not like the way it fits, but aesthetically, it sure beats the hell out of last season. Yeah, you can have it. Anyway. All right. Well, okay. Can I? You have it. You don't like it. Maybe it'll hit me if you don't like it.
1: I don't think it will, but let's get into the lineups first. How about head coach Gary Smith for Nashville? We're talking about uh, (laughs) the only manager that they have ever known. He's managed all 109 matches for Nashville in his managerial career. He was also, by the way, the head man when the Colorado Rapids won their only MLS Cup, which is kind of neat. Uh, in 109 matches, uh, I shouldn't say 109, 109 matches total uh, for Nashville. Uh, he has won 42, dropped 39, uh, excuse me, dropped 28, and drew 39. And that's that's in his overall uh, MLS head coaching career. But the dude has an MLS Cup on his resume you certainly can never take that away from him uh from harlow england he actually grew up playing in the uh arsenal youth academy which was kind of neat played for fulham and then a bunch of other lower uh lower tier teams in england but he brings a wealth of experience to nashville unfortunately out for this match would be sean davis nick depew and randall layal Those are names that we are used to seeing suit up for Nashville. So three opportunities would open up in the 4-4-2 that Nashville likes to play. And you mentioned goalkeeper Joe Willis, who came in to the match leading the MLS in save percentage. And it's safe to say he did not hurt his standing at the top of the statistical sheet in save percentage for Nashville today. The St. Louis native coming in with five clean sheets on the year. The back line of four would begin with Daniel Lovitz, the Pennsylvania native who played with both Toronto and Montreal before Nashville and actually has 13 U.S. men's national team caps. In the middle of that back line, the Indiana who, who, who?
0: Jack Mayer, baby. There there you go. IU (laughs) represented very well in Major League Soccer. The second most winningest franchise. In Division One history, the Indiana Hoosiers.
1: See, I, I open the door, and Philly just plows right in. Every time I mention Indiana what I do, Hoosiers, I
0: plow in when the door is open. He
1: knew it was coming. Jack Mayer, the number two overall pick in the 2020 MLS Super Draft, of course, lining up next to Jack Mayer, the 2020 and 2021 Major League Soccer Defensive Player of the Year, the player who scored the first goal in Nashville. History after playing with the black and gold for our first two seasons, the former Furman Paladin Walker oh. Zimmerman. That's right, Walker Zimmerman. We miss you so much. He not only is the captain for Nashville, but he has captained the U.S. men's national team en route to 40 caps for the red, white, and blue. Simply one of the best defenders in all of Major League Soccer. Uh, on the back line, rounding it out is Shaq Moore, the Georgia native who played extensively in Spain before Nashville, 17 U.S. men's national team caps. In the middle, they run four in the midfield. Fafa P. called a longtime MLSer. He's kind of had a fun career, Philly. He's played in Prague, Italy, for FC St. Pauli. I know you're, you're a big FC St. Pauli fan. I like St. Pauli. And of course, he's also played for teams like the Tampa Bay Rowdies, the Fort Lauderdale Strikers, and Nashville, marking his fourth MLS club, Two caps for the U S men's national team. He's kind of like the Jesse Orozco of major league (laughs) soccer players. He's literally been everywhere and played for everyone. It's kind of neat. Look, if I had a career and I couldn't be a big superstar, I'd love to have a career like Fafa P kind of fun being Fafa Uh, in the midfield next to him though, is the Panamanian legend, Anibal Godoy, 122 caps for the Panamanian national team is the fifth most in their country's history. Speaking of a whole hell of a lot of caps, how about the old man in the middle, Dax McCarty? It's his 400th start and almost 500th appearance in Major League Soccer or for a Major League Soccer club. He became the third outfield player behind Chad Marshall and Kyle Beckerman to notch 400 starts in his mls career almost again 500 overall appearances for five mls clubs and 13 u.s men's national team caps midfielder alec mule alex mule excuse me the new york new york native almost 150 matches with the red bulls closing in on 100 matches for nashville and their two forwards up top Tial Tial bunbury born in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, but he is U.S. capped, as he has capped four times for us, 250-plus caps with the Revolution, 100 caps in Sporting KC, and now here he is in Nashville. And, of course, the reigning MLS MVP and the Golden Boot winner of last year, Hani Mukhtar, the berlin native off to a little bit of a slower start this season but he is always must see tv he would be must see tv in this match as well coming into the match with two goals and three assists in the 18 the five players that you will hear from in this match taylor washington from somers new york he was actually a teammate philly of John McCarthy, and it's kind of hard to tell, but he might have also been a teammate of Tomas Romero while they were all at Bethlehem Steel. CJ Sapong, the Virginia native with 400 MLS caps of his own, but not all starts. 98 goals in his career and four U.S. men's national team caps. Jacob Schaffelberg, the 23-year-old from Nova Scotia who came over from Toronto. He has four caps for El Maple Tree. Jan Gregoosh, 32-year-old Slovakian who wasted a season in San Jose after being a DP in Minnesota, 36 national team caps for his country, and making his MLS debut today would be the 24-year-old from New Hampshire, Josh Bauer. And that is your 18 for Nashville.
0: This is why you listen to our show, Defenders, because not only do we entertain you, But we inform and educate you. We want people listening to this podcast to know and understand their opponent. How can you go into battle without understanding who it is that you're going up against? And that is exactly what we like to do. Scarf, that was a phenomenal breakdown of Nashville SC. And quite honestly, you do this better than any broadcaster or anybody on MLS 360. So kudos to you, my man. Now, you mentioned Gary Smith being at the helm of Nashville and you mentioned his career statistics and all that other stuff. And unless, unless Taylor Twelman and his counterpart during the broadcast were wrong, Steve Cherundolo on the precipice of history within his own regard, coming into this game with a 26 9 and 6 record, a win today, which unfortunately he would not obtain, spoiler alert, would have put him he would have set a record for most wins by a coach in 50 games. I'd have to double check what that statistic is. Um, later on, obviously LAFC tied that. I can was-
1: tell you what it was. It was no coach has won more than 27, I believe of their first 50 matches. And he is already at 26, but I want to say he's still got like five or six matches to go. I'll have to double.
0: Okay. Check. So he could have broken the record. He could still break the record soon enough. So Steve Cherundolo. Look, a lot of some of y'all were bullish. I will I will say, first and foremost, I was not. I was cautious. Uh, And some of y'all hated on this signing. I think at this point we could all let bygones be bygones. Uh, We could get rid of all receipts. Now we're all in favor of what Steve Chirondolo has done. He obviously the most successful manager, uh, and he was going to break all of Bob's records fairly soon. Now, as far as the starting lineup is concerned, for those of you wondering why the heck we started so many players that normally don't get a start, well, that is simple because we have a matchup, a semifinal first leg matchup in the city of brotherly love Philadelphia next week against the Philadelphia Union. We're going to be playing more games this season than we've ever had because we have several tournaments and a tournament that we did not play in last season, courtesy of the fact that we were abysmal the season before, was the CONCACAF Champions League. We're in familiar territory. We beat the Philadelphia Union. We go back to the CONCACAF Champions League final to face the winners of León and Tigres, two teams that we do have history against, one team in which we've beaten, one team in which we've almost beaten. So coming into this game, it shouldn't have come as a surprise that a lot of the players starting wouldn't necessarily be players that normally start. In fact, once I go through this lineup, you'll notice that there's only four players that regularly or would more than likely get the start under normal conditions. First player that normally gets a start this season, John McCarthy, our keeper extraordinaire, doing tremendous things. Our back line, Sergey Palencia, Didio Moldonado, Jesus David Murillo, and Chiqui Palacios. Our midfield, consisting of Ilya Sanchez, Jose Cifuentes, and congratulations to Eric Dueñas for being the second homegrown LAFC player to get a start. The kid was awesome today. He's been awesome in LAFC too. And honestly, he's been awesome since he's gotten the ability to play. He, he sat out a good portion of the last season and the year before with an ankle injury. And he's just come on so much stronger and doing things that just, I mean, the kids, the kid can go to prom, but he's in a game in Jodas park, doing amazing things, passing the ball, threading the needles in a players like Denny Blanga. I have, Nothing but respect, praise, and love for Eric Duenas and, of course, all of our homegrown and academy players. Up top, Stipe Buk, Stipe Buk, Denny Bowanga. And I have so many things I like to say about him as well. And then Mateos Bogus getting his first start and only his second game as a member of the Black and Gold. Our bench consisting of Romero, no, uh, Eldon Yakupovic as our backup keeper. Ryan Holling said, Daniel Chrisostomo, Kellen Acosta, Carlos Vela, Mahala, Quadwo Poku, Nathan Ordaz, and congratulations, Noah Dolenmeyer getting into the 18 and signing that first team contract. Six foot six, six foot seven, whatever the height that we want to agree, disagree upon. A very tall young man. He did not feature into the game, but either way, making the 18 is a heck of an honor and a heck of a distinction for a kid his age. Congratulations to him. That is our 18 scarf. Aaron Long did not make the trip. Giorgio Chiellini did not make the trip. Interesting, considering the team that we were going up against, a very stingy defensive unit and a team that we would have to play defense on because, well, they do have the reigning defending MLS MVP from last season in that of Honey Mukhtar. Something I don't want
1: to say next year, but we have to say this year as well, Philly and Scarf did not make the trip. We we got to do this next year, man. We got to go to. I Nashville. love Nashville,
0: bro. I've been there like a half a dozen yeah. times. Yeah, you went cool to job. school
1: in Indiana, of
0: course. You went to Nashville. You were close.
1: Uh, either
0: way, sorority trips were, bro. I even, like bachelor parties, bachelorette parties. All right, you don't sleep on Nashville. Defenders. That town is no, a gym. Who's thinking on Nashville? Nashville's I don't know. If people think of oh, a right? bunch of hillbillies and hicks. You no. couldn't be any further from the truth, man. Like no. Tennessee is one of the most beautiful states in this country. I, I'm in. Look, Look there's a lot of ignorance that surrounds the world scarf, and I got to tell you, from having had the uh, the privilege and the luxury of traveling, Nashville is a city that that is a must see in this country.
1: Y- you know what else is in Tennessee and Pigeon Forge, Tennessee? Dollywood. I got to get to Dollywood sometime soon. You got to right? get to
0: Lynchburg, the home of Jack Daniels. But you can't drink it there, right? It's like a dry county. I don't know. Either way, uh, Philly, quick pop quiz for you. All right. I mean, we've only right. spent 54 I... minutes not talking about the game.
1: No, this is perfect. Uh, I know that you know that this is the second match, because you mentioned it, that a homegrown player has ever started for LAFC. Uh, the first homegrown to ever start for LAFC is? Ooh, I caught him uh, Christian Torres Christian
0: Torres now what well, it's was the, only him or Tony Leone so
1: what was the final score because oh, he God. played against Portland what was the final score of that game Philly oh crap why would I bring that up one to one. There you go. It's the homegrown curse. I'm starting it right now. Oh, I hate to do that to Eric Duaneus and Christian Torres. It's not a curse. Congratulations to Eric Duaneus on getting the start. But the last time we had a homegrown start, uh, we tied 1-1. So moving on, let's get into the kickoff. Look, uh, it it took about eight minutes. Oh, my God. Eight minutes. By the way, uh, a couple things happened. They got their first corner. Nashville did in the sixth minute. I just love to Philly when they they zoomed out on the broadcast and they you just saw Walker Zimmerman walking into the box, getting ready to do something for their first corner kick, I was like, this dude just kicked open the saloon doors, is walking down to where he needs to be and is going to get set. And I was like, this dude is damn well about to score on a header against LAFC the way he came walking. And the only thing he didn't do was kind of put his arms back and do the Conor McGregor strut as he walked into the box. I love that. And it took all of eight minutes, Philly, for me to be completely nervous for the entire match, thanks to one Daniil Maldonado. We just started talking about Noah Dollenmeyer is essentially our only center back that we had available for this match. Yes, Ryan Hollingshead could have absolutely come in and played center back, uh, but then we were thin on the outside, so who knows what would have happened there. Eight minutes in, uh, Taylor Twelman called it a foul that occurred in open space, so maybe that's why, but it was definitely Daniil Maldonado's first foul of the game. I want to open the door here for Philly to begin what I will imagine will be a several-time talk about his favorite referee in all of pro. I know you send him Christmas cards
0: every single year, Ted uncle. For the course of this podcast, we're going to lovingly refer to him as just uncle Ted. Now, to me, there's a very big problem when you are aware of the officials that officiate some of these games. There are so many pro officials that are a part of that organization. And the minute the name Ted Uncle registers, I groan. And I know there's plenty of the millions and millions that groan as well. And the reason being is because it's just, LAFC just does not have a stellar record when this guy is at the helm of the game. And a lot of that has to deal with the fact that, uh, screw it. He just sucks, man. He blatantly sucks. And couple people sided by him you and and our good buddy al i have nothing but love for al hampton um well hold on i said he
1: wasn't i said he wasn't bad
0: in the the first half yeah in the first half he did not dictate the the outcome of this game and i've said this a million times you did not leave the game in the hands of the officials i firmly believe that it doesn't matter if it's Soccer, football, MMA, professional, I don't give a hoot. You don't leave it in the hands of the officials because they're humans and they'll make mistakes too. But despite the fact that the players were the ones to really decide the outcome of the game, Ted Uncle just has a consistency for effing up constantly. Just so many blown calls, so many missed calls. One would argue that he let the players play. And while I appreciate that, he also let a lot of things go by that should have been called. Corners that should have happened deflections that should have resulted in corners that turned out to be uh, uh keeper goalkeeper kicks just there's just so much about this man that i despise i don't know the name of every single official in major league soccer but but uncle ted man screw you buddy
1: <laughs> yeah look we're we're going to talk about it. there were at least to philly's point four occasions where balls deflected off of nashville players and either out of bounds that should have been our possession or at least a actually a corner kick many of the times uh he wasn't great in terms of missing those type of things i also thought by the way in the eighth minute philly as they zoomed in on joe willis a player who we'll talk about a whole bunch uh, Joe Willis looks like a guy who plays firefighter Joe Willis on Tacoma FD or something like that. Like well, he looks just, just,
0: like he he represents Nashville very well from an aesthetic. <laughs> <start>. <laughs> he
1: he really does. Look in the tenth minute would be the first time we would see a dangerous set piece for Nashville. A perfect ball into the box by Hani Mukhtar, but nobody home. Uh, I, I just we didn't look great on a few uh, set pieces as the ball came directly into the box several times without there being an LAFC or Nashville, luckily, player there for it. And in the 15th minute, by the way, 15th minute, Daniil Maldonado with a dangerous but clean challenge. It was clean. He got all ball. But I am I stood up at the television. I just screamed, dude, you're on a yellow. 15 minutes into the match, calm down. And then in the 15th minute, they also showed that graphic, Philly.
0: Yeah, Drew- Eric has hustled and did what he could to keep the uh- – the ball in which graphic are you referring uh, to? I'm
1: talking about the one that said over the first 19 weeks of our season, LAFC will play at
0: least 30 oh, yeah. matches. Oh, yeah, that graphic
1: 30 matches over 19 weeks. Oh, my
0: God. Yeah, no, that's that's crazy. And that's the reason why we wouldn't bring in an Aaron Long who had played with the U.S. men's national team. It's the reason why you wouldn't want to rely on a 38, 39 year old Giorgio Chiellini. he have got a lot going on this season, and we'll. We don't want to use that as an excuse. And obviously winners are going to dictate the idea that we need to press forward and do everything that we can, but you can't run the wheels off of the Ferrari early on during the race. Cause yeah. well, you got a lot of laps to go over the course of an entire regular season. And we're barely 25% of the way into the year. And yeah, I don't blame Steve or, you know, anything for anybody for picking the teams that they did and for it going the way that it did. And, it was, for the most part, mainly Nashville these first ten to twelve minutes. Yeah, now, one Philly, thing that I noticed. Yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. Sorry, don't know. No, go go ahead, say, go. <laughs> one thing that I noticed watching this Nashville SC game, and I know it's a very popular chant, not only in Major League Soccer but but globally. I can't help but cringe. When I hear the people of Nashville doing that esta noche, vamos, vamos Nashville. It makes me think of the galaxy. And I'm sorry. When I think of the galaxy, I just get sick to my stomach. When I hear Nashville doing this, I'm like, y'all are very loud, much louder than a lot of other supporters. And a lot of great on TV. It sounded great. But I mean, I I can't be the only lover of the black and gold that cringed hearing that song, making them think of that team down the 110, I absolutely despised hearing that chant every time I could. And they they chanted that one a lot. We want to talk about unoriginality. And obviously, people will say a lot of things. They'll point fingers and say, oh, yeah, these guys do that stuff, too. But look, the Esta Noche thing, to me, I associate it with the Galaxy. Nobody else in Major League Soccer. And just hearing Nashville do it, the music center of the U.S., <laughs> Y'all could do a little better than using that song as a chance.
1: Yeah, Music City, Nashville. Uh, also in the 19th minute, by the way, a nice bit of maneuvering into the box by Mateus Bogus. I really like what we saw from Mateus. Uh, he found Denny Bowanga, who put one just wide of Joe Willis, but this is the first instance, Philly, where it looked like the foot of Joe Willis is what forced that ball out of bounds. But instead, nope, your boy, Ted Uncle, rules it a goal kick rather than a corner. This was the first instance where we were like, oh, yep. Uh, Joe Willis though, getting all the props he deserves just two minutes later. Nice little give and go. Uh, Jose Sifuentes to Deni Bowanga, who gets it right back to Sifu and a very solid save. I, I know if you ask, uh, Sifu, he probably thinks he should have put that in a little bit better of a spot, a little bit of a tougher angle for Joe Willis to get to, but a nice little give and go. It was good to see Sifu active early in this one, Philly. You and I have been talking about it. We've kind of missed the offensive firepower uh, of Jose Fuentes. We were hoping that as he would see the ball go into the back of the net, that good things would begin to happen again for Jose Fuentes. I mean, you
0: want to go to Europe, my man, you, you, you find the back of the net. You play better than you've played all season long, like I don't know what what the deal is. He started out the last two seasons red hot, and he's played well. Sifu's a fantastic player. I love Sifu, but there's been something like off. Uh, he's been holding back a lot, or he's just. I don't yeah. know, There's just something that's been missing with the way that he's been playing. He obviously scored that goal uh, a couple of games ago, the nice banger that obvi- almost missed as well. Just got lucky that it hit the correct side of the post that went in. But Jose C. Fuentes had one of his better games. Yeah, Joe Willis did his did his thing to to thwart L- uh, LAFC from finding the back of the net. We're looking at the 29th minute. Joe Willis denies Danny Buanga. Great save by a great goalkeeper. And, I mean, his goals against average. Being one, I mean, he's leading the league. I mean, I think he's number two in the last, like, three or so years in goals against average. People don't talk about that enough. Like, this kid is a phenomenal, phenomenal keeper. But moving right along, the last thing that you'd want to do is seed a a goal to the home team, in particular one that doesn't score very often. And I I don't want to sound like a prophet. He's obviously the team's leading scorer in last season's MVP. But he has not scored at home, and he would break that streak against LAFC in a critical moment in the 35th minute.
1: Yeah, look, something that Hani Mukhtar has never done in his Nashville career has gone three straight games at home without scoring. That's still the case, unfortunately. Some emergency defending from LAFC goes a little wrong. There's chaos in the box. We can't clear one out of the box. And with Teal Bunbury lying there in the middle of the box, which we'll talk about that in just a second. Hani Mukhtar finds a small opening, puts it with his left foot uh to the right of John McCarthy. McCarthy tried to come all the way out and Sergei Palencia was right there on the back line but couldn't react to it fast enough. Hani Mukhtar finding enough space. Uh look, if you go back and look at the tail bunbury being down in the middle of the box. We can. Producer is-
0: McPanda's roll the video footage. Let's we can take actually a look. see that right now. I like it. Let's see. Producer McPanda, I I don't
1: so I see her camera. I don't think she's there right now. This is fun.
0: Uh, oh, uh, hold on. Let's let's uh, let's see if I can do this. <laughs> this oh, last, oh boy. Oh boy. last time we, we did specifically okay, say. I, I got it. Hang on. <laughs> All right. Good luck. Just <laughs> got there first. More back in over Bumbry. He's down. Ball's loose, and it is in.
1: And it's Over the last two seasons, that's more than anyone in this league completely against the run of play, a half chance, maybe a penalty on Bunbury. The ref doesn't blow it, but you play until the whistle. And that's exactly what Honey Mukhtar has done here in Nashville. And they lead one nil here at home. There he is, look, he's down, the ball's right there. Oh. That's brutal. Uh, the guy's
0: good. He's in the right place at the right time. And he got awarded with it. I mean, he finally breaks the the goose egg getting his first goal in front of the Nashville faithful. And that yeah. certainly got that crowd roaring.
1: And it's, it's hard to tell, right. If that's Daniel Maldonado or Jesus Murillo uh, who maybe causes enough contact to warrant a penalty on Taylor Bunbury. But if that's Daniel Maldonado, we're 35 minutes in and we're probably down a center back. Uh, and at that point life becomes very difficult. Maybe we have to put Ryan Hollingshead into the match at that point to, to try and still run four in the back. I don't know what we do, but look, maybe we got away with one there because they scored the goal. We still were allowed to have 11 men on, but either way, look, it's Hani Mukhtar and, uh, Philly, man, he's going to be real right about a bunch of things. On this podcast, so get ready for it, everybody. I'm I'm just getting you ready right now. It's because it's this one was all Philly all the time. Uh, I I really it should have absolutely been two nothing just four minutes later. As okay. I don't know what Jesus Murillo was doing, giving that ball away to Hani Mukhtar. Tail Bunbury made this great run by keeping on that left side, drawing our defender away, and a beautiful step over, leaving Hani one v one with J Mac. But somehow we got lucky, Philly. Uh, hani just pushed it wide right and were able to defend the corner away. But, I mean, two times in four minutes, you're looking at Hani Mukhtar in the box with nothing but space around him. It, it should have been 2-0, Philly.
0: No, I agree. I mean, he created a fantastic opportunity for himself. Absolutely breaking Daniil Maldonado's ankle on that run, too. We got lucky that he just missed to the right, uh, obviously, John McCarthy's left. We were lucky not to be down 2-0 at that point. Had Hani gotten the brace at that point, we're looking at a completely different game right now. A completely yeah. different game. Um, a minute or so later, we had a really good run from the back. Bogush gets himself a shot, but it was a routine save for Joe Willis. And then three minutes later, Bogush gets uh, gets called on a foul. The Ted strikes again. Another <laughs> stupid, stupid call and... Look, I said it before, if you groan at the idea of Uncle Ted, there's a reason for it. 44th minute, yet again, we avoid a crisis. Walker is in the box, gets a nice pass in there, tries to connect with Hani Mukhtar. Had Hani opted for a header as opposed to try to get his foot on it, now we might actually be looking at 2-0. Suffice to say, that wasn't the case. We had a minute worth of injury time left, and look, we couldn't even get a shot off During that time, and at this point, you think to yourself, all right, our B team is not exactly looking great. We go into the locker room down for the first time during the course of a regular season in Major League Soccer, but we had... The majority of the shots, six to four on target. We had half of them, three to two. But the possession, for the most part, was dictated by Nashville. They dominated the first 10 or so minutes. They obviously got the goal with Hani Mukhtar in in the 34th or 35th, whatever the case may be. And at this point, Nashville's got to feel pretty good about themselves going into the locker room, up 1-0 against the defending champs.
1: Man, you, you said something in that 44th minute. Walker Zimmerman in the box. It wasn't a set piece. What in the world was Walker Zimmerman doing all the way up there? Beautiful little touch on a ball over the top. Uh, I think they mentioned it too on the broadcast. Like I, I don't know why Walker Zimmerman went on walkabout there, but he did. Uh, I, I said it at the end of the half, Philly. I put it in my notes. I said LAFC just looked weary and punch drunk right now. Uh, and, and you mentioned it. They, they didn't even play the ball forward to uh, give Ted Uncle the chance to allow play to keep going. So we go into the half. I thought we played a very good maybe 25, 30 minutes despite some heroics from Joe Willis. And after that, those last 15 minutes were all Nashville all the time. And, And look, a stat that I didn't love to see, Nashville unbeaten in their last 32 matches when leading at the half, nine draws to go with 23 wins. Neither club Philly making a sub at halftime. And the fireworks would start right away in the second quarter, second half, excuse me, a great ball over the top from Joe Willis to Hani Mukhtar in the, uh, what is that, 51st minute or so, right after Denny Bawanga made a a shot, excuse me, took a shot right at Joe Willis. Joe Willis makes the save and puts the ball all the way up over the top, but apparently Hani Mukhtar just offside in the 51st minute and Philly, I got to see a bicycle kick by Sergei Palencia in the 53rd minute. That was fun, but you know what else we got to see uh, Philly in the 53rd minute? That would be the third missed deflection by Ted uncle that should have resulted in a ball for LAFC. Well,
0: uncle Ted, man. I mean, it's uncle Ted. You want to say that he called a a fine game. I said the first
1: half, first half.
0: Yeah, I know, but there's still people that sided with the fact that it was good officiating, and I'm talking about our buddy Al. Al, I'm not—I don't mean to call you out. I mean, this is just me disagreeing with you. I just—it's not you. It's just how I, I just hate Ted Uncle. I just think he—he he, he sucks. It's just, you, you miss. You miss one or two, fine, we'll forgive you. But it's just, it's just a matter of consistency, man. You want to obviously look at things on a game-by-game basis, but history has a tendency to repeat itself. And, and Ted Uncle has just historically been crap every time that he officiates our games. And we're never successful when he officiates our games. So needless to say, be frustrating when he's not calling things our way. You don't want to leave the game in the hands of the officials, but still, like, you miss things like that. It, it just sets a bad precedent for pro officials first and foremost but it also affects the uh, the vibe and the headspace of our players cuz now they feel like oh god the referees out to get us and that obviously changes people's perspectives on things and we've seen our boys get a little wrapped up too much in what's going on with the officials we'll talk about that a little bit later so 55th minute yeah I, surprised. I,
1: I i do want to mention because we haven't done this in a while philly i think the 55th minute it's time to bring it back because you just mentioned the word surprised i think we can call this our wait
0: what, what
1: moment of the match philly on his bobblehead day
0: So Gary Smith, the head coach uh, interviewed at the conclusion of the game mentioned that Walker was complaining about groin tightness at halftime. And I quote, he wanted to try and play through it, but it got worse early on within the second half and he was taken off to avoid further damage. he had just played 90 minutes against El tree just a couple of days ago. And look, I'm not a professional athlete, but I could speak from experience Uh, groin pulls, are nasty, and they take a long time to, to come back where from, you were going to heal that? from. I mean, growing, and, um, and obviously, it, Walker Zimmerman, he, he's, a, he's a baller. He's a gamer. The last thing he would want to do is come out in a game like this. I know he loves his old franchise, and he has good memories against us, but this wasn't exactly his way of just coming out against a team that he loved. If he's coming out because he's got an issue with his groin, I'm going to listen to him and think, yeah, he's coming out because he feels like that could be something that could potentially put him out. And this is a guy who wants to continue to play for the national team and a guy who wants to continue to anchor the back line for Nashville. And this is the captain. So he made a very captain-esque, selfless uh, decision to come out. And Gary Smith took him out and one will argue that at this point. It changed the trajectory of the game. Gary Smith, probably right now, sitting at a bar, maybe a Tootsie's or Honky Tonk in downtown Nashville, is probably thinking to himself, crap, I wish Walker was healthy because if he was and I would have subbed him out, I would have regretted that decision because the game completely changed after Walker got down to the bench.
1: Yeah, there is no argument, Philly. That is exactly when the entire match changed for LAFC no walker, and it just became an avalanche at times. Uh, I felt like Nashville got some control later on. We'll talk about that in a minute, but, uh, okay, this is this will be the last time where I helped Philly beat this dead horse, but in the 57th minute, Denny Bowanga into the side netting, and it clearly went off of Anibal Godoy. Uh, of course, uh, Ted Uncle missed that one. That would be the fourth such deflection that should have gone our way. Oh, I think that was the wrong one, Philly.
0: No, Uh, horror. That's the way that sounds. Oh, that's horror.
1: Okay. All right. We'll go with that. Uh, I said those misses are definitely starting to feel costly. We're talking about several set pieces now. But don't worry, Philly. In the 59th minute. All right. So, Philly, your pick for players to watch for Nashville was?
0: Honey Mukhtar. I mean, obviously low-hanging fruit. I picked him because he was ripe for a goal and he hadn't scored at home.
1: And your pick for LAFC was?
0: Uh, the man who didn't score against the Carson Galaxy and the man who's now still and is going to be the team's leading scorer, if not one of the Golden Boot contenders for the black and gold Major League Soccer, Denis Boanga.
1: That's right. Uh, not only is he a contender for the Golden Boot, but this is now his seventh, tying him with Jordan Morris for the Golden Boot lead in the 59th minute. A great takeaway. Look, Jose Fuentes was pressing high, but it was Stipe Buke who got this takeaway and of course just as Denny is nearing the top of the box he fires it to the left of Joe Willis and just like that Philly we are level at one just 4 minutes after Walker Zimmerman comes out the entire tenor of the match has now changed we are back level and and dare I say Philly for the last half hour of this match it's almost disappointing that we didn't come away with the win.
0: You're right. And uh, to quote the great George Michael, let's go to the videotape. Oh, nifty. Here's Boanca. Still, Denny Boanca! Denny Boanca! What a wonderful goal! He keeps on going and he levels the match for LAFC.
1: Let's watch the steal by Stipe. I love this. On the ball, Sofuentes, Buke. Turn the ball over. This is Denis Bawanga running right through the middle. Neither center back stepping forward and forcing him to make an action to go wide. Cut back. Alex Mawile coming off his backside. Nothing from Lovitz. Nothing from Jack Mayer. And everything Denis Bawanga does is to put the ball in the back of the net. That's his 12th goal in all competitions.
0: Clown shoes. There's something that Taylor Twelman said. Let me see if I could find the quotes. Uh, Yeah, it's 90 minutes of pure hell defending Denny Bawanga. And that goal right there was a result of that 90 minutes of pure hell. Joe Willis and Nashville are lucky that Denny didn't have a couple more. But quite honestly, we could also argue that in the first half, we're quite lucky that Nashville also didn't have a couple of goals. Uh, The soccer gods we're very um, not biased today. They were very fair and very equal. And Denny Buonga getting his 12th goal in all competitions put us in a really good spot. Denny, honestly, other than 2019 Carlos Vela, I'm going to say that, that Denny Buonga is the best player that we've ever had on LAFC. I love Chicho Orango. The guy was fantastic. But if I would have to pick between the two from a technical level, from a passing ability, from 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 a striking ability, I would take Denny over Chicho 11 out of 10 times. I don't think this is a hot take, but Denny is is special. And you wouldn't know that he can do this considering like his history playing at Saint-Antoine and the other clubs that he's played for. He has found a renaissance he is just doing things that he probably hasn't done since he was in a youth academy and that score goals in, in 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 bunches he's just such an outstanding player such a smart player even doing things just like off the ball stuff you watch him the runs he makes his passing ability even the eye that he has he's just he's just so stinking good man like i love Danny buonga
1: Yeah, look, this is something, though, that when we brought him over, right, everybody was saying, like, just wait, this dude is ready to light things up. I mean, look, you're right, though, right? And it's not since, what, 16, 17, when he was playing in Liga 2 for Tours FC, did he have 16 goals in a season? Other than that, I mean, over the course of all competitions in seasons, he's put double-digit goals into the back of the net. But we're talking about a 2023 calendar year that is going to be incredibly special for one Dani Bawanga. 12 goals in 12 competitions. He is in the prime of his career. He is a prime athlete. And we are incredibly lucky to have him at LAFC. In the 67th minute, CJ Sapong and Jacob Schaffelberg come on for Teo Bunbury and Fafa call. And we got a giggity yellow. And most of the time, you're disappointed. In fact, I'm looking at you, Jesus Mario. later on in this match. You're really disappointed when players pick up a yellow. But what a smart yellow by, of all people, the 18-year-old, the youngest kid on the pitch. Hell, he might be younger than some of the ball boys that were tossing the balls back. <laughs> either of these teams, 18-year-old Eric Duenas, and and look, Taylor Twelman and I, we have kind of a love-hate relationship. There are things that he says that I want to pull my hair out. And then there are things that he says that I go, see, this is great. This is why I like Taylor Twelman. And he's praising the 18-year-old's IQ and game understanding as Eric Duenas stops the restart, like literally stands in front of Jacob Schaffelberg as he's about to make this throw-in. Uh, a yellow for delay of game, but it was brilliant because you had Hani Mukhtar and the just recently subbed in CJ Sapong uh, sprinting down the pitch. And if not for that yellow card, who knows? It could have been a situation for LAFC because they call the yellow not soon after. LAFC is able to make, look, it's hockey playoff time. This was essentially a line change, Philly, in the 70th minute. For LAFC, Mateus Bogus, Stipe Buke, and Ilya Sanchez all come off for wait for it. How about US men's national team midfielder and MLS All Star Kellen Acosta? How about MLS MVP and former Golden Boot winner, the captain, Carlos Vela? And how about the most heartwarming story in our club's history, possibly, in one Mahala Opoku? These are three of our starting 11 Philly, that get to come in at the uh, 20-minute mark to go in the match. Of course, Carlos Vela getting the captain's armband from Ilya Sanchez.
0: Yeah, and I mean, Steve Chirondolo sees what Gary Smith's hands are. And by him inserting C.J. Sapong and obviously Jacob Schavelberg, he's looking, he's looking to score. Like, these are guys that are, are, are goal scorers. Schavelberg's the second-leading scorer on this team. And C.J. Sapong, while he hasn't found the back of the net at all this season, still a very dangerous player. So at this point, you got to think to yourself, the next 20 minutes are going to be wild. And no doubt they were. The 73rd minute C.J. Sapong had a shot that j Say saved. Oh. Uh, obviously, that that earned the corner nothing came out as a result of that Seventy six fouls on C Fuentes, not called. And once again, I'm just, I'm so flipping sick of uncle dead <laughs> missing calls. This would be, you know, construed as he's just allowing them to play, but dude, you're right in front. I understand that you don't have any hair and you have a receding hairline, but bro, not only is your hair gone, your freaking eyesight is gone. Like how did you miss some of the crap that occurred within this game? It just, Just just so pissed off when they had the MLS 360 show early on before all the games started at uh, one of the panelists, I forget her name, but she's like obviously in charge or a high position within the officials. She asked she was asked about how the officials were and she she rated it a B plus. With VAR being a B. And the reason it's got to be that low as opposed to an A, because a moron's like Ted Uncle. Like, I, I hate this man. Wait, so wait, much. wait, wait, wait. Do you really not know who that is that you're talking about right now? I'm just, I'm just, look, I also mentioned like I'm a little partied out. So, like, I'm kind of forgetting who exactly it is. Philly, that is Christina Uncle. Oh, no kidding. I didn't know that.
1: <laughs> yeah. I didn't,
0: wait, I, I, I didn't even put two and two together on that.
1: Oh, it's fantastic. whoa!
0: Forget what you said earlier. That's the wait. What <laughs> moment? Whoa! I had no clue. Wait, is that her dad or her uncle? I have to look it up. I don't know now. Oh my god! I had no clue. It di- I didn't oh. even think about it that way. I just died right now. I am so happy that you had no idea. Oh my Who god! Knows? I didn't. E- I didn't even like have the wherewithal. It was more ineptitude on my part to not know that I do my homework, but that one got right by me. By the way, she <laughs> has her her j d and an MBA. That's pretty crazy. she's yeah, a, she's, she's, she's she's smart cookie. she's incredible. I mean a quote snaggle heavens to Murgatroyd. Like, I can't <laughs> believe I missed that. <laughs>
1: Oh, that's fantastic! I, I gotta. Someone's gotta find it. What's her name? All right. Well, well, you, we'll
0: find it. Let's just you you keep looking for but it. I'll I'll go on.
1: Let's see if let's see if producer Panda can, can find that information for us. Uh look, that's fantastic that you did that that made my whole day. Uh Philly, just one minute though, after that foul didn't called, you had to like Eric Duaneus using Ted Uncle as a screen as he came out to receive that pass. I kind of liked it. He was like, All right, Ted, you've kind of been acting like a midfielder for Nashville this whole time. I'm gonna I'm gonna help you out here. I'm gonna use you as a midfielder for us for <laughs> a little bit. He was acting
0: on the pitch. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh in the 79th minute, uh Yan Gregor comes in along with josh bauer making his mls debut for nashville sc dax mccarty coming off after 400 mls starts and alex mule uh both coming off uh look all five subs used for nashville at that point so it's all chips to the middle for uh for nashville for these last 11 minutes or so Look, uh, we had Sergey Palencia coming off for Ryan Hollingshead in the 82nd minute, and I thought the first touch by Ryan was a great one there in the 83rd, just kind of slowing things up for Nashville on the left side. And then at this point, Philly, it just got frustrating being an LAFC supporter because we had chance after chance and possession after possession. We really dominated the last 10 minutes or so, including stoppage time. I mean, Philly, for what, the entire 84th or 85th minute, we're dancing with the ball in the box. We're passing it all around, but we can't really get anything going. It was a great play by Taylor Washington, the block of Carlos Vela shot at the end of that sequence. And and then, oh, what could have been in the 86th minute, Philly Sifu flies in and he's got to put that one on frame, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean, the soccer gods are, are obviously fair. One thing we totally missed, uh, just real quick, 64th minute, what should have been the go-ahead goal, Stipe. Oh, oh Stipe. Yeah. Getting a fantastic pass in the box from Bogush. Kid's 21 years old, but, I mean, he has the composure of a veteran, how he just hung out and waited for that play to build up. But Stipe should have buried that in. But suffice to say, we got lucky in the first half, and I'm not going to be too pissed off about this miss right here, N- nor should any of you, really, because, quite honestly, we got lucky that Nashville didn't go up early on us. And we got unlucky that we didn't go up on Nashville. At this point, I'm going to argue that the soccer gods were fair. But what was um, fair and, and honestly idiotic, you go into the 88th minute, there was a play in which Jesus David Murillo gets a yellow card for running into Joe Willis. You should not have made that contact. That right there, a very silly, silly yellow card that's his third of the season. The rule is if yellow card accumulation, you get your fifth, that's when you serve the one-game suspension. That right there was an uncalled-for yellow card. He still could have gotten into Joe Willis's head by not making body contact with him. That was just such a silly play, but whatever. It, it is what it is. In the 90th minute, we thought we had a goal Ugh. by Danny Buonga, but that was a quick offside goal ruled out. All right, that's fine, it's I suppose. The, the right uh, call, the right call. Yep, yeah, and and that's it. We get three minutes of injury time, and there wasn't really anything to talk about with an injury time at this moment. Um,
1: no, there was the uh, the argument between Kellen Acosta and Anibal Godoy. They were deciding. Uh, apparently, there was a disagreement over which barbecue spot to go to after the match there in Nashville because it was they were pretty heated. It looked like they were upset about that. But uh, those guys have played each other a bunch in CONCACAF and everything else. But you mentioned to Philly. Just not a lot, not, not much urgency. I think, look, you've said it over and over again, and I think you're right. The soccer gods uh, relented on this one. They said, okay, LAFC earned it. They got their point back on the road. And look, I, I do want to mention a quote when Taylor Twelman was interviewing uh, Steve Terundolo before the match, before the match, his exact words were, this lineup gives us the best chance to at least get us a point maybe three and he kind of said it kind of tongue-in-cheekly uh we've mentioned it it's lineup uh roster rotation is certainly what happened today and look if anybody out there questions what steve chrundolo was trying to do he was trying to get his boys completely healthy and in the right form set to take on philadelphia union in what are the only next two matches on the schedule for us philly Uh, it this was big for us getting a point with this lineup with this roster rotation as much as it does feel frustrating because we had two or three or four chances in the last half hour or so this is a, a decent point this is a decent point and producer panda has unearthed we believe that christina uncle is of course married to your favorite referee ted uncle what they're married She she looks like she's 30 and he looks like she's 50. Listen, I'm just going by the information that Panda gave us. Oh,
0: I really thought that that was like one of her older relatives. Um, All right. Wow. So, I mean, I got nothing to say. I'm still kind of flabbergasted by all this, but kudos to our beautiful, wonderful producer McPanda for unearthing this information. I am utterly stunned that she's his wife. But hey, you know what? Some chicks dig, uh, you know, the Ted Uncles of the world. And, you know, everyone's got to get a little love. Um, And as much as I hate on Ted Uncle, he's got to get a little love, too. So, you know, I'm glad they found happiness. I got nothing. (laughs) (laughs) I just love that you were
1: flabbergasted by all this made my entire day. Uh-huh. Let's
0: (laughs) then... <laughs> there, there it is. There you <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, producer mcpandas Oh,
1: you guys, if you're just listening to this, by the way, head on over to YouTube and check it out. Uh YouTube.com backslash defenders of the bank. Uh, this has been a fun one. Look, we are still undefeated in all uh in major league soccer this season. Uh we did trail for the first time in a match. We battled back for a point. That's big. Look, it's better than the alternative, right? This could be a match where we lose, where we're upset, where we lose a bunch of ground in the standings. But that is not what happened. In fact, uh, if our esteemed producer could bring up the standings right now. Oh, okay, sure. Let's go over the stats. Philly, I almost took your job. Philly, stats, paint the picture.
0: It's it's quite surprising when you look at the uh, the difference in terms of shots. LAFC certainly produced a lot more offense than Nashville did despite the fact that they Nashville maintained much more possession. You're looking at it, the scoring line one-to-one and we talked about it incessantly at how the soccer gods were utterly fair today, but man, that's crazy. 19 shots by LAFC to Nashville's eight. If you look at the shots on target, LAFC six to Nashville's three. Now LAFC had three shots on target uh, with their six shots overall In the previous uh, in the previous half, they obviously went gangbusters on their shots. They just didn't necessarily get in the circumference of Joe Willis. And then you look at the corners. That was fairly even fouls. LAFC was a little chippier. Yellow cards. One in particular on Jesus David Maria was stupid. The other ones were well warranted and no red cards. Thankfully, these teams are vying for for positioning. And yeah, that's that's the stats for the conclusion of the game. Possession was dominated by Nashville, but the end of the day, who gives a hoot? It's the scoring line that matters, and both teams walk out of Geodis Park with a win, this is the first time in the history of these two franchises that a tie has occurred. As mentioned, LAFC lost to Nashville at home on Decision Day last season, and LAFC beat Nashville last season uh, in Geotas Park. First time that these two teams have tied against each other.
1: Yeah, he made me nervous as all hell after the eighth minute, but uh, kudos to Daniel Maldonado. Second half, I mean, I don't even think we mentioned his name at all. Uh, He had a a very solid second half, stayed off of the radar of one Ted uncle. All right, now here's where we can get to the standings uh, because all of the games have been played now in the Western Conference. There's just a matchup for Atlanta looming in the East, and you can see it, LAFC now third in the West with St. Louis and Seattle tied on 19 points apiece, LAFC third at 18 points. Points a piece, uh, and that means Philly, uh, we are in the catbird seat, as Vin Scully used to like to say, uh, because we have a game in hand on both of those guys. So, uh, LAFC's points obviously putting us third in the West, but in the race for the supporter shield. A- and what I like about this, too, Philly, I-, I don't love the fact that we're down there in fifth on 18 points, behind, of course, Seattle, behind, of course, St. Louis. And how about Bruce Arena, what he's doing in New England and what they're doing over there in Cincinnati, 20 points apiece for those two clubs. But I love that second column, that points per match, where there we are at 2.25 points per match, just ahead of FC Cincinnati and the Revolutions 2.22. That means we still control the Supporters' Shield destiny. One of our goals this season, was to defend the shield and, and we still have that in our sights, Philly so far. So good.
0: Yeah. Uh, FC Cincinnati's luck is going to be interesting with that. of Brenner uh, reportedly getting signed to Udinese. So that's, I don't think MC Cincinnati is going to be the same exact team that they're going to be. Cause Brenner is just an outstanding player and he's yeah. not going to be featuring with the blue and R with the blue and orange of FC Cincinnati going, going forward. You mentioned the new England revolution. I do want to say this kudos to them. Uh, I read about this. Uh, Looks like through them and their organization, that Latif Blessing is going to be granted permission to go to Ghana and bring his family to the U.S. These have been approved and supposedly they're arriving next week. So kudos to, to that. I read this on New England Revolution's PR. So kudos to them on that front. If they made that happen. That's going to make Latif Blessing a happier person. And if that team's good and Latif's happy, I'm going to be afraid of going up against them. And the only thing I want to say to St. Louis SC, I love that town there's a lot of cool stuff that goes on there i I, mean, I i love the show me state i love the fact that their crowd is is so pumped up about their club and that their club is just having a surprisingly amazing season but some of the fans stop being annoying just because you're ahead of us doesn't mean you're better than us <laughs> and i guess i could kind of see how maybe people thought lafc was annoying when we were doing our thing in that first season but st louis fans Shut up already. You haven't done that much. Let's chat when we meet each other. You beat us, fine. Then you can talk your stuff, but just you are right now quickly earning the distinction for being among the most annoying fan base in Major (laughs) League Soccer.
1: Uh, May 31st, Philly, they're coming to BMO, so get your popcorn ready. We're going to
0: smack them around, and (laughs) when we go to the show-me state, we're going to show them why we are the best in the West and – the best in MLS, that'll be Thank September
1: you. September 20th, by the way. We get to show them who the best in the West and the best in MLS is. Uh, quick wrap-up of our schedule. As, uh, as we've talked about before, Major League Soccer has moved a match later on in the year. That would be the Houston Dynamo's uh, journey to BMO was moved from April 29th to June 14th. So don't show up to BMO. On April 29th, expecting to see the human highlighters of Houston taking on the black mm. and gold. They are gone. Uh, in fact, that'll be June 14th. So what that does, Philly, is it clears the runway for LAFC to focus on our two-legged CONCACAF Champions League semi-final round. It is, of course, a rematch with Philadelphia, who won a pretty good game today, 4-2, to two, over a club man Bob Bradley is getting buried right now in Toronto. I feel kind of bad for the guy. Uh, Not that bad, though. Uh, Look, we have not seen them, of course, since the 2022 MLS Cup final. We begin the semifinals of the CCL, traveling to beautiful in air quotes, Philadelphia for the first leg on Wednesday, April 26th. And we close out the semifinals of CONCACAF Champions League at BMO versus the Union on Tuesday, May 2nd, which means our next MLS regular season match isn't until May 6th. And I'm so sad. Are you going to be able to go? I can't go. I can't go. Going up to San Jose, not to PayPal Park, but to the Brock Purdy Palace. That's right, Levi's Stadium, May 6th. They're expecting upwards of 70,000 fans in the building for San Jose against LAFC, Levi's Stadium, May 6th. I leave at 4.30 in the morning, 5 o'clock in the morning, May 7th for boston with my sixth grade so i can't go philly are, are you <laughs> oh, oh
0: i thought i was gonna get a want but instead i got Secure. the. Last. actually bean town's fun uh,
1: are you going are you going uh,
0: i haven't thought about it i barely know what i'm doing tomorrow let alone in a couple of weeks
1: ah all right well that's our schedule philly uh despite being completely off the rails uh this is still a long ass episode.
0: Yeah. One of the longer ones than we'd like to normally admit to. And I, I only have one last thing to say before like, I, we wrap this up. You have some final thoughts. I just want to end this. Uh, for those of you listening to this podcast and if you've made it to this time frame, we truly appreciate you because I've even grown tired of hearing the sound of my own voice, but I will leave you all with this reminder, just in case you forgot and, you know, mildly, you know, apathetic or, or, or blase to the idea that we, uh, we tied. Keep in mind, We're undefeated still, because we are the trailblazing, MLS Cup raising, always competing, Carson beating, rip roaring, styling and scoring, black and gold wearing, hate on us because you can't stop swearing, champions of this league, and owners of Major League Soccer, we are LAFC, LA is black and gold, sha-la-la-la-la-la, pluck you all.
1: Oh, Okay. There it is from Philly. Uh, I just wanted, I also want to remind everybody don't forget that LAFC is still the last undefeated team in all of Major League Soccer. And with tonight's result, LAFC has never been undefeated through eight matches of their season. That's the first time in six years. And in the past 20 years, 20 years, Carson, 20 years. LAFC is the only team to go unbeaten through its first seven plus games in multiple seasons. We've only had six seasons to start to make history people. This is what we do. And with that, let's let producer Panda play us off. It's time for us to say bye-bye.
0: Bye-bye.